Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. All right, we'll continue this series of messages in which we continue to refute and debunk conventional religious beliefs that, that have been suppressing a lot of Christians for centuries. How do we do it? We open the New Testament and we begin to read the gospel like we've never read it before. And we just try to believe what it says. And guess what? Amazing things happen. When you begin to dare to believe that good news is actually that good, you become bold. You become courageous. You, be, you begin to cross the chicken line of timidity and fear and anxiety and you begin to reach to others and you begin to be used by God mightily and that we've been hearing testimonies Neil and I we've been hearing testimonies almost every week how people dare to be a New Testament believer because one of the toxins fell off and it's not poisoning them anymore it's not suppressing them anymore so today I want to talk about a specific thing and I'm, I'm glad you made it here because it's, it's very important. Many Christians appreciate the cross of Christ. Many do. They see and value some of the things that Christ has accomplished on the cross. But there is an absolutely crucial aspect of the death of Christ <clears throat> that have been heavily uh, ignored, have been heavily neglected in Christian churches for centuries. That is what the death of Christ on the cross has done with you. Most Christians know what the death of Christ has accomplished for you on your behalf. How it benefited you as a believer. But there are sayings of Paul especially in the New Testament when he speaks clearly that the death of Christ somehow mysteriously has done something with you. You know, a genuine believer is not someone who believes that a man named Jesus from Nazareth was a real historical person. That's not a saving faith. A genuine believer is someone who believes that not only he was real, not only he died, not only he was raised by God, but it has something to do with you, with your life. Do you hear me? All right, this is the least attended meeting that I'm preaching this year. And I forgive the sins of everybody who is out there watching and hasn't made it today. <laughs> I absolve you. <laughs> Especially after the game last night. All right. So listen to me. There is an aspect of the death of Christ on the cross that has something to do with you directly. And whether you believe it or not will determine whether you will live in the life of freedom or bondage. Whether you see it or not will, will determine what kind of quality of Christian life will you have in your life. God has so much <clears throat> in store for us. And we often live subpar to that level because we believe a lot of religious toxic ideas and concepts. And one of them has to do with this. Every believer knows what happened with Jesus on the cross, but very few believers know what happened to them on the cross of Christ. And this is a problem, and this is not just a theological problem, it's a very practical problem. There is a guy 
that Neil and I both respect. He's a preacher. He's a minister. And I want to give his quote. Here's how he defined this problem. He says, every believer knows what happened to Jesus on the cross. But not every believer knows what happened to them. Because of this, they're striving to become someone they already are. And they're fighting to obtain something that they already have. They pray like beggars instead of commanders. They see themselves as servants instead of sons. And if we say, we've said it many times, if you try to please God and serve God without knowing His love to you as a father, it's going to destroy you. So we don't want that. All right? So the title of my message today is Good News, You're Dead. If you remember nothing today, just remember the title. Maybe over time the Holy Spirit will unpack it to you. Because a lot of Christians walk and they have no clue what it means. But the New Testament, if you study it carefully, that's what it declares to you. Good news, you're dead. Dead man walking. You know? So the saving message of the gospel is that the death of Jesus Christ, in the death of Jesus Christ, you have died, and it is a good news to you. And I will try to unpack it for you today. Many Christians miss it, unfortunately, because it sounds so ethereal, so impractical, so abstract, so theological. So they just dismiss those passages like uh, a metaphor or uh, a figure of speech or some kind of a flowery language of poetry. But the death of Jesus was not poetry. The, the, the death of Jesus on the cross was a very, very real event. And Paul continues to hammer this point. When Jesus died, you have died. When Jesus died, something happened to you. When Jesus was raised from the dead, something happened to you. You know, I'm going to take a little caveat here. A lot of people, when they think of the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of grace, they think of the four stories in the beginning of the New Testament. These are not the gospel. These are the stories, accounts of life of Jesus and the events that took place in Palestine 2,000 years ago that has to do with this person that we love and adore and we worship as God and as God's son, Jesus Christ. But you know, and he spoke a lot of beautiful things. He gave a lot of beautiful teachings. But do you know that the teachings of Jesus are not the saving message of the gospel? The words in red ink will never save you. The red blood of Christ does that was shed on the cross. Paul was used by God, chosen by God, called by God, and entrusted by God with a revelation of what the gospel is. Because the gospel is not what happened. The gospel is what does it have to do with you guys? The meaning of what happened was revealed to Paul. Before it was revealed to Paul, the cross has never been a good news. The Son of God was killed. What's good about that? Now, when Paul received this profound revelation of the gospel of grace, the cross all of a sudden became the symbol of Christian faith. Because everything that has happened has happened on the cross. 
and everything that has happened universally on universal scale has happened in that resurrection moment. The old creation has been terminated forever on the cross of Christ. And you are the part of this old creation. And the new creation has been brought forth. And you were born again as a new species. This is the gospel. The gospel is the message of the great termination that has taken place and the great germination that has taken place. And Neil is going to talk to you about the great germination, new life, new species, new version of you that was brought forth. That's his task. Come next week. Bring your friends. But today I am talking about the great termination that has taken place. And religion is just not capable of grasping this message. But you are, my friend. Can we explain to you how it all works? No. But I can tell you it does. It does. That's a testimony of so many. You know why we had miracles happen? As some of you who are new, we had crazy things happening in this church in 2022. A legally blind lady got her sight back. Why? Because something real happened on the cross of Christ. Oh, not because some people prayed for three hours and fasted and they're super Christians. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the gospel of grace. And as soon as you dare to step out of religion and step into the gospel of grace, God begins to move in your life because it's not about you, but it's, it is about Jesus. So, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just, there are many, many passages in the New Testament that talk about your death on the cross of Christ. Your death, not Jesus' death. Your death on the cross of Christ is great termination. I, I, I don't have time to go through all of them. I'll just give you one of them and I'll probably read it again today. Colossians 3, for example. And never dismiss those passages as just uh, a metaphor. Take them seriously. Take them by faith. Appropriate them. Begin to believe that it's truly about you. Begin to take it the old King James says, reckon yourself in the light of this revelation. Paul gives you the gospel and then he says, now how to make it practical. Reckon yourself. Consider yourself. See yourself in this light. Speak these words about yourself. Begin to walk believing that it's true about you. And here's what, what it says, for example, in Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Verse 1. If then, listen to this language, you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's not poetry. That's reality. Your life is joined with the life of Christ and hidden in God. So you live on this earth in Springfield, Ohio in 2023, and Paul says, hey, just remember, you walk in Springfield. Walk as someone who has died and who, has who was raised again. And now your life is one with the life of Christ. 
and you are a walking mystery of God's life. And one day it will be manifested for the world. But even now, don't just live by things that the world lives by. Seek the reality of heavenly things. It will break through you. It will break and exhibit and manifest itself through your words, through your actions, through your interactions. Just remember who you are. You're different. You have died and you've been raised. So I'm, I'm going to try to unpack it a little bit today, but it's a big topic. So I want it to at least, if you've never thought about it as a reality for your life, I want at least to just make this mark in your brain so that when you're alone, when you read the Bible, you would start thinking along this line. You would start like, how does it have to do with me? How is it related to my life? At least you begin to connect it with yourself, right? That's my hope for you. That's my hope for me. So what does it mean? Why is this important to us? Why is it good? And I, I've already said, it's important because it is the basis of our life in freedom from sin. It, it is a good news because it is a declaration of our full emancipation and liberation from our spiritual slavery to sin. You see, sin is not just a religious term denoting a violation of some code of behavior set up by some religious circles. Sin is an active power present in human life and in human soul and dominating. Sin is an entity that is anti-God in nature. Sin is an entity that has attached itself to human beings to an extent that it penetrates the very fibers of their being. And through sin, Satan expresses himself in this world. Human being, you and I, we've been created according to God's image and likeness, like a glove created according to the image and likeness of a hand. But instead of hand, which is God's spirit, we got filled with the wrong spirit. Satan himself operates in human hearts through the power of sin. And people are not free to get rid of that. People are not free to break, to break free from this bondage. And that's why Jesus has come to destroy the power, the, to destroy the power of sin in our life. And the gospel is, the good news is that he has done it. And religion is trying to tell you, no, he hasn't. You are supposed to do it. And that's the way nowhere. That leads nowhere, all right? So people became sinners by definition, by their very nature, fallen condition. Man became a carrier of satanic nature that exhibits and expresses this nature through their lifestyle. Today, uh, we are in the middle of wars in this world, and I'm touched personally by that. I have a lot of friends in Ukraine, a lot of friends in Russia, and it's crazy. And I know one thing, Satan is trying to become so vividly manifested in this world and you and I are called through the power of the gospel to be manifestation of something totally different and the only way we can be such people is when we're free from the dominion of sin in our life and God has done everything to set us free and it has happened on the cross of Christ all right so I just want you to remember that no one that man has become sinner by definition. That became man's identity. 
And none of the attempts to correct it, to fix it, to rectify for this fall availed to nothing. Not only so, the verdict of God is this. This condition of man cannot be fixed. It cannot be reformed. It cannot be changed. No matter how many efforts you would put into that, it's beyond repair. It can only be destroyed. And that's exactly what has happened on the cross of Christ. Dennis, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean? Like, I, what do you mean I was put to death with Christ on the cross? I, ca I can't remember nails in my arms. But trust me, somehow the, the truth of the gospel is that this, this has happened. I want to establish today that this old sinful self, this old sinful nature, this old sinful identity was terminated on the cross, on the cross of Christ. And this is an essential part of the gospel. And we need to see it. We need to embrace it. We need to believe it. And we need to live in line with this, in the light of this revelation. And so many of you are used to using this lingo like, oh, my, real, my sinful nature still like, my, my friend, if you begin to take it seriously, what Paul said, you will never say again my sinful nature. It's been cut off. It's been severed. It's been put to death. It's been terminated. It's been eliminated. So don't you dare to bring it back to life. You know, talking to dead people is sin. Don't talk to your killed old person. Well, anyway, Romans 6 that's it. Again, just let, let's try to read it like it really, he really means what he says. Like we've never read it before. Let's read it. Romans 6, verses from 6 through 8. What shall we say then, Paul says? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. No way. How can we, listen to this language, how can we who died to sin still live in it? If somebody would ask you a question, are you a Christian? And you say yes, you know what you're saying? You're saying, I'm someone who died to sin. Do you believe that? Well, Neil does. At least Neil does. I did a good job. I hope by the end of this message, a few more will join his circle. So how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Baptism is not just a religious ritual. Baptism in Greek means immersion. It means just, you don't see anymore, too deep. Baptism means you got into Christ, into his death. And you can see, where, where's the sinner? Where's that crooked Dennis sinner? With a twisted sense of humor and this weird whatever. Where is he? No more. He got baptized into the death of Christ. Where is that weird John? Abrasive and like, John, I'm not going to go there because I'll have to baptize another John. Offended John. Where is that whatever version of you that you know that you loathe, that you despise, that you know is not in line with God's has been put to death, has been baptized into the death of Christ. Can I hear an amen from someone? 
Thank you. <laughs> we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Into death. Into death. Whose death? Christ's death. Who were baptized, immersed, plunged into? You. Into death. The death of Christ. Why? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That's the shortest description of a Christian life. Dead to sin, walking in the newness of life. When? Now. How about tomorrow? Tomorrow. How about in 2024? 2024. How about tonight? Yes, tonight. Dead to sin. Alive to God. Death to sin, alive to God. And sin has been a tyrant who was trying to run your life. And he was very successful at that. Hey, can you try, can you imagine trying to be bossy about a dead person? Well, that's a waste of energy. So you're dead. You're dead to sin. You're dead to anything that is against the the very nature of God. So, for if we have been united with Him in a death like His, united, this Greek word His means grafted into organically. You're united, grafted, joined together organically like a branch and the vine into Christ, into His death. So, if you have been uh, united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Listen, we know, we know, do you know, my question to you, do you know that your old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing? Do you know that? It's really hard to believe if you go to the average church today because they will preach you the opposite of that. Seriously, they will give you a lot of verses to tell you that you are not free. You are bound. You are a slave to sin. You are a sinner. Oh, brother, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, brother, I'm just a sinner saved. Oh, my sinful nature. By the way, sinful nature is not even in the Bible. Try to find me the expression sinful nature in the New Testament. You will. You know why? Because English is not the language that it was written on. And some translators were... Hardcore Calvinist theologians, so they thought the best way to translate flesh is sinful nature. Sinful nature is, a, is actually a philosophical concept. Nature is something that determines how you act, how you live, what you are, what you exhibit. So if you're telling me that you have sinful nature, that means you telling me that whatever Christ has done on the cross, it has done something with God, it has done nothing with you. Do you hear me? But Paul here is point blank. He says, no, you're the one who have died. And you're the one now who has been raised to the newness of life. The Spirit of God moves in your life today. Why? Because of what you have done. No, because of what Christ has done with you on the cross and through the resurrection. That has changed you forever. And I'm not apologizing for yelling. All right? So, verse 11, so you also, you also, you also, Hannah, you also, Amanda, you also, Jim, you're exempt. No, you also, 
you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You must also consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Man, this is your identity now. Don't you tell me you got your sinful nature. I need to get you saved if you do. Seriously. Dare to believe the gospel. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Here's a quote from Watchman Nee, Normal Christian Life. We studied that book in some of the small groups. Let me tell you, he says, you have died. You are done with. You are ruled out. The self you loathe is on the cross in Christ. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Romans 6, 7. This is the gospel for Christians. Our crucifixion can never be made effective by will or by effort. But only by accepting what the Lord Jesus did on the cross. Wow. <laughs> you are a beneficiary of what he has done. Praise the Lord. So the gospel is much better than we thought it is, actually. If you take Paul seriously, you will learn to view yourself as someone who died to sin and was raised to God, who was set free from the power and dominion of sin, and no longer carries old sinful nature contrary to God's nature. You're no longer a sinner by definition. You are a saint. A holy, righteous man and woman of God living in the grace of God. Be this. Be this. I cannot do it for you. Only you can. Only you can consider yourself. Only you can reckon yourself. Only you can view and believe that you are what you are because of what Jesus has done. The gospel of God, according to Paul, is a great news about the termination of the old sinful twisted version of you and germination of a new version of you, of a free, of a person who is free from the power of sin to live in the reality of God's presence through the Spirit of God. This is the normal Christian life according to Paul. But instead of this view, how crazy good is this, guys? It's amazing. Why are we not excited about it every day of our life? You know why? Because we got a lot of religious crap. We got a lot of religious toxins that go against that. And those guys, religion makes sense. It makes sense. It makes beautiful theology. But it, it turned your life into misery. I would rather believe something crazy like the gospel that gives me power. That gives me strength. That gives me ability to see God in, op uh, in operation in my life and through me. That's the gospel. So, there's the problem. There is a teaching that is dominating evangelical churches, Catholic churches, Baptist churches, Pentecostal churches, all kinds of churches that make believers, turn believers into spiritual schizophrenics who are paralyzed and who spend their life trying to kill themselves. Here's another quote from Paul Ellis. Do we have it on the screen? I don't remember whether I submitted that. Christians, oh yeah we do. Christians who do not know they have died with Christ end up living two lives. Tell me if it's not schizophrenic. 
on the one hand they are trying to walk in the new life they have received in Christ but on the other they are trying to reform the old life they inherited from Adam this is a recipe for misery and in my book this is a definition and description of a spiritual schizophrenia and that's that's the messages you hear in most of the churches today if you're lucky you'll come and one Sunday you'll hear a little bit of the gospel the next Sunday you come they'll give you how to reform your old self and maybe if you're lucky again a little bit sprinkle of the gospel and then maybe some seminar on how to be become a great version of yourself how to reform it well do you know it has nothing to do with the gospel and it has no power so I want you to see fundamental difference between the religion and the gospel religion promotes a kind of spiritual schizophrenia they will tell you that you still have two natures two mindsets two hearts you double-minded person and the Bible says the double-minded person will receive nothing from the Lord that's a promise don't be double-minded person make up your mind either choose to be sinner or choose to be saved choose something please go to a bar or to the church choose something okay you do not so in one message you will hear oh God has replaced your heart with a new heart circumcised heart sensitive to God's spirit he put his spirit in your heart and you go hallelujah and the next message you hear human heart is utterly evil your heart is totally deceiving you you have no light because your heart is evil you are evil which one is true choose to believe the gospel well Dennis what are you talking about are you talking about that I cannot sin anymore no you can I know you as I told you before I know you're a very talented person we all can sin we all can do stupid things we all can damage ourselves we all can damage relationship I know that my question is not this my question is it is it coming naturally out of your nature or it's something that is foreign to you as a person now I would tell you if you're a Christian it's foreign to you Paul's logic and you say how about this passage how about that passage how about I die daily I die daily you you probably heard it has nothing to do with that it's taken out of the context I do not have time to do to go every passage that was taken out of the context and presented as a call to turn your Christian life into a long life painful process of mortifying and killing yourself part by part bit by bit I don't want that Christian life do you that's what's sold on the market today mainly I would rather be a Christian who enjoys my loving father who loves me who pours out his grace upon me and I has nothing to do I have nothing to do with that because like it, it's all Jesus I, I come to the end of myself and I receive Jesus embrace him and I receive the father's embrace that's what Christian life is and that gives you boldness and that that gives irritation to religious people I know so you know it, it, it takes all different shapes and forms through the history you, you you've seen those Hollywood movies it's like a Christian is someone who is like a an angel here and a demon here and he goes like go do, don't do it don't do it and go do it go do it don't do it go do it or you might have heard this like good dog and bad dog inside of you and you're in charge of feeding one good dog and starving another bad dog because they're constantly fighting and you need to make sure 
you manage them well so that the bad dog will always lose it never loses and you can't kill it you try to starve it to death it doesn't die it's just it's not a great it's not true this description of a christian life in in 90s i believe when my kids my kids were growing we watched this show made by nickelodeon called a cat dog yeah so for those of you who are online you don't see the picture it's a, it's an imaginary creature it's an animal that is a con conjoint creature one side of it is a cat another side of it is a dog and they have two different personalities and of course cats love doing things that dogs hate and vice versa and they, that's a description of a religious picture that is sold to you that is a picture of a Christian who believes that he's on one hand he has the Spirit of God within him his sins were forgiven on the other hand he is still dominated by his sinful nature and he is constant in constant you know what happened on the cross one of those got killed and you got severed you know the beautiful uh the beautiful aspect of the gospel is like it doesn't only give you a destination in the future glorious destination it gave you a glorious past it's not yours anymore your past is the cross of Christ you don't know what happened before that you have no clue you're not related to that that's a beautiful thing on the cross of Jesus you've been severed the Bible calls it the circumcision of a heart the circumcision that takes off the sinful flesh the sinful nature it's time for you to begin to believe it and again we come to the point of like what about my feelings my feelings don't corroborate very often I know we've been talking about it like three Sundays in a row or more I'll tell you a few stories I used to have a car my first car was a Russian bucket of bolts not even worth mentioning in the church my second car was nicer it was an old German Audi Audi how do you pronounce it Audi 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 it was nice but the time came when I just realized I need to sell it so I sold it and we lived in a big apartment in a tall apartment on the eighth floor and there were a bunch of cars and all the cars pretty much had the same kind of alarm sound so when the alarm would go off it would sound something like this so I sold my car my car was no longer part of my life but for about a month in the middle of the night it would go and I would, go, I would just get up and go to the window to see what's going on and it would take me like 10 minutes to understand where's my car oh my car is gone I don't have a car for about a, it took me about a month I don't know how long will it take for you to stop responding to temptation and stop thinking that it's coming from your heart an enemy is trying to sell you this idea and the, 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 unfortunately a lot of ministers are trying to help the enemy by trying to sell you this idea that it's coming from your nature it's not you have the mind of Christ Amen. I don't you do I don't you do read the Bible so another story for you I'm sorry I am full of stories today 
When I became a Christian, I, I was a teenager. And I don't know about now. Teenagers are different now in America. I was a teenager of the Soviet Union who just, that just collapsed. And to become a cool teenager, teenage boy, means to be able to impress girls, of course. And back then, to impress girls, you have to learn how to play guitar. That's how West started, right? And then, then you, you need to learn to play popular songs. But the coolest thing is that you can write your own songs and you can create your own band and you can really impress the girls. And I was doing that before I became a Christian. But then I became a Christian. Back then we had a cassette tape players. And we could use them to record things and erase things and record things. So I had a tape. It had my songs. And then I became a Christian. So I erased all those songs. And I recorded Christian songs over it. Dun, 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 dun. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I don't remember the melodies. But then like in a year, I would start drifting away and feeling kind of weird about the church and everything. And I would like, why don't I try to write more songs that I used to? And I would use the same tape, put it in the tape recorder and try to write my songs about love and girls and all of that. And like write it over the Christian. And then good message would be delivered in the church. And I would grab that tape and erase it again and write Christian songs over it again. So in the five years, I found that tape. And it was weird. It was totally worn out. And that tape is a good representation of what Christians thinks Christian life is. You're like constantly giving yourself a clean slate by, I don't know, coming to the altar or praying fervently at home or doing something. And then you think, okay, I reset the button. It's a new beginning. Lord, I'm yours. And in two years, you don't feel like you're doing that again. You're living by yourself. And then you have another strong experience or some kind of a crisis. It's not that. More modern example. Uh, we all, most of us have a smartphones. Uh, some of you have iPhones. Some of you have Androids. I have an Android. Android is good and bad at the same time. Well, anyway, sometimes when you use it too long, it accumulates all kinds of stuff in it. It begins to slow down. It begins to lag. It begins to act up. It begins to act weird. And you try to do the genius thing. Turn it off and on again, right? Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, there is a radical way to do it. It's, it's called hard reset. Which, what it does, you, you push a combination of buttons. So you hold it for a certain number of seconds. There is a code there. And it just... Whoosh, it takes everything down. It clears everything out. It gives a, what's called a factory hard settings reset, right? Is that a better picture of a Christian life? Kind of. No. No, my friend. No. Because what happens if you just do the hard reset on the phone, it, it will still get a cluttered again. And the same thing will come over and over again. Here's what happened. I wish I could have that with me. Just imagine in your mind. If I would have a stand right here, sturdy one, hard one, and I would have an old style phone with a dial and hard wires, coiled wire and everything, maybe whatever, red. And I would have another stand here. So here's what happened. It was an upgrade. It wasn't an upgrade. It wasn't a reset. I would grab a big hammer. And right in front of your eyes, I would just smash that thing. I would destroy that thing. And then I would have a big industrial shredder right here. And I would take that phone and throw it in there. And there would be grinder, metal grinder. And it will just grind it and destroy it and take it into powder-like particles. That is not possible to put back together. It's not like Humpty Dumpty story. 
And then instead of this powder, I would bring you a new phone, brand new smartphone that can download videos, that can get you connected to GPS, that can get you connected to Wi-Fi, that can make you call several people at the same time living in all parts of the world, that can do amazing things. That's what has happened actually. It was not a reset button thing. It was a destruction. It was destroying, annihilating, eliminating, terminating you, and recreating a new version of you. And you're born as a child of God. And it's a brand new species that never existed before. Has very little to do with your past. Has very little to do with your crookedness and your propensities. Are those are still factoring? Yeah, they do. But they don't determine you. They don't determine you. you got a new nature now. Oh my goodness, I'm preaching so long. I'm done. I'm almost done. So... So guys, you need to say no to the picture that portrays you as a cat dog, as a schizophrenic Christian, as someone who has double mind, double heart, double attitude about everything. Choose one. You're one of them. You're not two. Second one, you're not called to mortify and kill yourself, bad part of yourself, for the rest of your life because you will spend your life killing it and you will never kill it. You crucify yourself by seeing you're crucified with Jesus and He has done it. He's not doing it right now. He has done it. So it's time for you to receive it, to take root in that and to realize there has been a great termination of the old sinful you. There has been a great severance from the lineage of Adam. And there has been a new birth of a child of God that by nature, by definition, is the same as God and as Jesus and is put on this earth to be filled with Him and to represent Him. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.